Journeyman Chronicles. Oh man, it is Friday. Friday with a capital Fry. Are you guys feeling pretty good? It is trick-or-treat night in most places. My uh, neck of the woods. Yes, I just said neck of the woods. Where I live, where I reside, where I rest at, it is trick-or-treat night. In most places it is. So I decided to release this episode on trick-or-treat night because it is my Halloween special for the Journeyman Chronicles. This is episode nine. I hope you guys have had a wonderful week. I hope you guys have have had a wonderful October month. My favorite time of year, like I said. Beautiful outside. Maybe you guys don't like it. Maybe you fucking hate this type of month. Maybe you are not a fan of raking leaves. I get it. I mean, chances are you don't have the correct rake, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That's not why you came here. You didn't come here to get judged. You came here to listen to the next episode of the Journeyman Chronicles. Damn it, and I'm going to deliver. That's right. You just heard me pound on the desk, and I probably can't edit that out. Beginning this episode, I wanted to have a moment where I go down memory lane with you, if you don't mind. I have a habit of being nostalgic around uh, certain holidays, Halloween being one of them. And I'm uh, nostalgic because there's a lot of music that I listen to around this time of year that takes me back. Takes me back to the times when I was a kid, when I was trick-or-treating. When I was walking the streets, walking the streets, 4th Street, Ruby Street, the dark streets of Pearl Street and stuff like that. That's right. That's right. I was running amok. My old stomping grounds were in that area. Anyway, a lot of walking around, trick-or-treating in that area. And as I got older and I decided, you know, I don't want to trick-or-treat anymore, I would still walk around. By myself. Sometimes I would go hang out with some friends. I do miss that. But I'd walk around by myself some years, put my headphones on, and I'd listen to some music. Now, I'm going to play some music for you. This wasn't all the music that I listened to. But the one song I did, I'm going to save for the very end. But let's play the first song. The first song, everybody knows this song. This is a cult classic. This is an Americana favorite. Okay? If you don't know this song, you've been sleeping under a rock for the past... 35 years. Congratulations. Welcome back to civilization, schmuck. It's nothing like Thriller. It is what it is. The song broke barriers. The video, it scared the shit out of me. Actually, it scared the piss out of me. I think I was six or five, and I peed my pants. I watched the video for the first time in my grandparents' uh, living room on South Prince Street. I'll never forget it. I was a little boy. Yes, the journeyman was a little boy. This song takes me back. And if you haven't heard it yet, chances are you're going to hear it enough times trick-or-treat night. I mean, you're probably going to walk up to somebody's house and they're playing it, okay? This song, classic. Okay, now, let's play another song that I like to listen to. Not often, but every now and then when I hear it, it takes me back. This song, The Monster Mash, takes me back to my elementary days. I remember when I was a kid, you know, my dad's birthday is on Halloween. I remember as a kid, I I got my cousins together and we performed this song for my dad. And I dressed up like a mad scientist, I think. Can't remember. 
Uh, but this song takes me back. It takes me back to that time. And it's just a really catchy little little tune. I think I heard it for the first time in uh, elementary. You know, the music teachers would play music to get you engaged. So there's the Monster Mash. Now, grand finale. This song. This is my soundtrack for walking the dark streets of manor and coral. Those streets, when I walked them, I was listening to a song that I recorded by chance. I did a lot of recording on blank tapes. If you're my age, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Radio stations play song, and you'd put the tape in the tape player, and you'd have record and pause, and you'd just wait for it. You'd wait for it because you knew it was coming. And I did that a lot. A lot of music came from the Millersville University station uh, that I listened to. They played a lot of good hip-hop. But this song snuck in there somehow, and I'm just assuming because it's the beat. The beat's so dope. This song is called Heat Miser. It's by the group called Massive Attack. This is from the mid-90s. I'm blanking on the album name right now. Forgive me, but I love this fucking song. This song takes me right back to when I was walking those dark streets alone. Where was my family? I don't need them. I'm a loner. Anyway, um, love this song. It puts me in the mood for Halloween, so I'm sharing it with you. This is my gift to you. This is my Halloween special. My Halloween. This is my Halloween special. You're welcome. There's no tricks. These are treats. Speaking of treats, you know, I hope you guys don't plan on giving these kids apples or fucking toothbrushes. And I take my kids trick-or-treating, and I gotta walk up to a house that looks like you've got 1,800 square feet a fucking fake webbing, a giant plastic spider, you spent how much money on the fucking nonsense and the shenanigans of decorations, but you gotta give my kid a fucking book, a, a, a memo book, a miniature hand-sized memo book? What the fuck? Come on. We as parents need to make sure these kids have safe candy, obviously we're going through it, right? making sure everything's legit and there's nothing, uh, you know, suspicious. But you got to give them something because I'll tell you why. If you're like me, you're taking 10% of the fucking uh, the goods. What do you bring into my house? I go through right away. Snickers, mine. Okay. Hershey Kisses, especially with the almonds. Guess what? Mine. 10% bitch. So if you give them my kids fucking pencils and apples, what am I supposed to do with that? I'm about to write you a letter with the pencil about being prepared for next year. Come on, guys. Anyway, let's get into the episode. This episode is episode number nine. I am talking to none other than Blaine Shut. Blaine the Shutdown Shut, an MMA fighter, uh, a guy that I work with for the past 10 years. I've known him to be a fighter. And I've been watching him, obviously, through social media. He does a lot of traveling, a lot of training, and he shares a lot of his journey. I am intrigued. I wanted to talk to him, put him on the podcast. Of course, you know, he's a ball buster, and he, he's known uh, where we work to be. A, he can be an asshole sometimes. He can be a smart ass. So we dig into that a little bit because I want to know why. What's up? What's going on through your head? Great guy. Uh, great conversation. I hope you enjoy. Let's dump ourselves into the next episode. Episode 9, The Journeyman Chronicles. 
I'm Blaine gonna try shut. to bed early so oh. I can get the work on time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for doing this, by the way. I understand that uh, besides seeing you at work, you're doing a lot of shit with your MMA, with your wrestling, your coaching, your active. Uh, so I appreciate you taking the time. I was hoping to get you on last Friday, but you were in North Carolina. What exactly were you doing there? So for like my wrestling aspect of what I do coaching wise, uh, it was a tournament called the super 32, the absolute biggest off season event of the year individually for, sure. uh, the high school kids around the country and stuff like that. So I was down there coaching a bunch of my kids. Do you do a, when did when did you start coaching? Shit, I was coaching back when I was in like high school. I'd stay after my practice when like the elementary would come in with my head coach and I'd help him run those practices and stuff. And uh, it, it was just something I was good at, you know, just something I just picked up throughout the progression of my wrestling career. Yeah, I know you have a passion for it. So I guess when you see some someone that's young, that's interested and it's it's exciting for you to engage with them, do you find that? This is something that you would like to do in the future after your career as, as a fighter starts to slow down? I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think my main goal ever since I was a little kid was to eventually have my own club, like my own facility. Um, like as of right now, plan in the near future is to get a facility and I kind of want to open up my own RTC, which is called a regional training center. Okay. Um, which it's, it's basically a, tr a club but it's like a step up from a club where like you'll have guys fly in from around the country to stay there and train, which is kind of what I do now. I just don't have my own spot. So I help out at a, uh, a wrestling club called Moser's Mat Club, which is also a place that I train at myself for MMA um, with my training partner and in quotations coach Ben Moser for like my MMA style stuff. Just one of the gyms that I train at for my MMA. How many gyms do you train at? Or, I mean, I guess that's a ridiculous question. I'm sure you train every everywhere you're traveling. I mean, it's not really good to have this, like, label as a fighter, but I'm almost kind of like a gym hopper. I mean, I hate to say it, but, <laughs> I mean, where where I'm at now, like, when I first started my MMA career, my gym was literally, like, five minutes away from me. Um, you know, We started in a small garage. It was called Holstein Athletics. It was like a two bay car garage. We just matted it out, had some way to lit uh, equipment and stuff. And a bunch of big names came out of there. Like Dennis Bermudez came out of there, Dustin Pegg, Daryl Horcher, all these UFC ex vets and stuff like that. And like how my fight career started was I dropped out of college and I started working at the post office with my dad. And uh, one of the janitors there was the manager for like Dustin Pegg and stuff. And He's like, hey, we need a wrestler to come in and work with a couple of my guys. That fight's coming up. Um, he's like, would you be interested in coming in? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And at this point in my life, I didn't even know MMA was a thing, to be completely honest with you. Completely oblivious to the UFC and all that other shit. So I was like, yeah, sure. And I remember my first workout that I ever did was a Sunday morning steps workout. And um, Logan was the manager that ran the gym, Logan Holstein. He was a ball buster, right? Like that's just his personality. He just picked on you and it like made a joke out of everything and whatnot. But I mean, he was a cool guy, cared a lot about his fighters, but he was a no bullshitter. Like he was a straight shooter, just like the bust balls. Right. And uh, steps workout, uh, oddly enough, is the uh, the church steps in Steelton. I don't know if you know about them or not, but it's a steep ass like like think of like one of those like big churches and like. Europe or something like that, where they have like a bajillion steps that circle around like some big high tower church. 
I mean, it's like a thousand steps. It's crazy. I, I'm exaggerating, but like, it's, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> and it was my first workout since I had left school. He's thinking that I'm in this in, insane shape because I'm a wrestler and all this other stuff like that. And wrestlers are always in pristine shape, which is not true. Um, okay. We get out of shape just like everybody else in the world. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I died. I mean, I died. I finished it, but like, I like threw up and like, it was just, I laid down on the ground and like, I wasn't moving for a while. And I just, I just remember it was, I don't want to say I was embarrassed because I think I finished it. I vaguely remember finishing it, but for some reason too, I think that he wouldn't have busted me so hard if I didn't finish it. So maybe I didn't, or at least <laughs> to my knowledge. It, um, it wasn't what you thought it was going to be, or you thought it was going to be a little easier than that. It was awful. Oh my God. I'm just thinking to myself, Oh, it's just steps. You know, I've done this in practice. This is easy. And it fucking wasn't. Sure. Uh, it was insane. But from there, you know, um, went in, got to wrestle around with a bunch of guys. Um, and like, I kind of like fell in love with the sport, you know, I was doing a really good job and, um, he goes, Hey, would you be interested in fighting? And I was like, yup. And I mean, that's what it was from there. I trained for a year, um, ended up taking my, uh, amateur MMA debut back in Johnstown, PA, where I left college, where I went to the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown. And uh, one of the coolest things that my manager told me, Logan Holstein on our way out there, ex-manager, um, he was like, I want you to remember this. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you left Johnstown not knowing what you were going to do for the rest of your life. Um, hence, when I dropped out and left and came home. And he's like, and now you're coming back to Johnstown to show everyone that this is what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Mm. And I ended up going in there. Um, I fought a hometown dude that had Sean Shirk in his corner. Sean Shirk, I don't know if you know him. He's a UFC champion Okay. Um, from back in the day. Um, and he's cornering this dude that I'm fighting who's the hometown guy in the armory up there in Johnstown. And crowd was insane for him. Like he had a huge pull out. It was insanely loud. You know, nerves were crazy. It was my first uh fight and everything and like i'm sitting here thinking myself i'm like what the fuck am i about to do why am i here right now <laughs> um, you know and uh, i went out there and i ended up subbing the guy in the second round and it was just dead silence after that mm. like you could have heard a pin drop for how i just shut the crowd up and uh, it, it was an exhilarating experience and then from there i ended up having an 11-2 amateur career then i turned professional um roughly a year after i, I made my amateur debut you know okay. i was fighting um and then like you know the rest is history you know you know i'm a two-time world champion now at two different divisions um ces and aow um i fought for bellator and yeah you know like i, I mean i'm enjoying it it's a little bit of a slow hiatus now obviously with covid hit it kind of like derailed the progression of my uh, career like i mean i was skyrocketing after i won the ces belt like i was getting ready to defend it um, I was right there on like a possible contender series call, if not a UFC pickup, top ranked in the world, real, real shit, like, like fame and all this shit, which was getting huge. You know, I was training out of AKA with Daniel Cormier and uh, Habib. Um, I mean, just making some real connections and then obviously COVID hit and just derailed everything. And sure, it's been tough. It's been just super tough since then. You know, uh, I mean, it was great that I ended up getting into Bellator and I made my Bellator debut, but like, that's, all i've done you know just that one fight up a weight class um i mean it's cool that i made it. the bellator is a great experience i was unfortunate that i uh obviously fell short in that fight you know it's 
I mean, breaking my ankle in the first 30 seconds wasn't very, uh, well, you broke ideal. your ankle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like the first 30 seconds into the fight, I was chopping down his legs and he ended up, uh, checking one or th- threw one at the same time. I mean, it was kind of like a little funky situation that happened and, uh, my ankle went right into his knee and mm. I ended up having a, a, I can't, I can't remember what it's called. It's like an embulge fracture where I tore the ligament and when the ligament tore off, it tore a piece of the bone with it. Okay. So yeah, I fought the whole fight with that. I don't know if you watched it or not, but it, it, it definitely affected me. Uh, I, tried my best I would think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it's been a fun road when I can actually get a real fight camp. I'll actually go out to, uh, AKA in San Jose, California and train out there with DC and those guys, not necessarily because of like the, um, like, better training partners and everything like that because obviously like there's good guys around where i'm at now but the the quantity and quality of a fighter out there for training wise that is better which is why a lot of guys do cross train and do travel and go to these big gyms because the bigger names are there the the better coaches are there the the bigger eyes are there and it's all uh it's all who um, you got in your corner, I guess, really, or or what? Yeah, I mean, for for most parts, you know, social media is like taking over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I know guys that are just insanely good, and they're not getting any looks because they're not promoting themselves well. They're not making connections, and they're not doing the things that need to be done to become a superstar, which is what these big promotions want. You have to be savvy in regards to knowing what you're doing, training excelling in that but also knowing how to market yourself how to sell yourself i mean that makes sense now that i'm looking back at all type of matches and fights that i've watched all the people that were great to watch were also great at selling them fight themselves 100 percent. kind of what like the whole like getting to these bigger shows has gotten to now where it's like who you know and whether or not that name can push you into being creditable or not to for the show to want you to be on their show. And I, I I feel like I'm one of the most exciting fighters to watch in the country, if not the world. And I've been seen on the big scene. I'm training with the biggest names in the world. And um, it's just a matter of time. You know, um, I'm just trying to stay patient, as impatient as I am, and just taking one day at a time. Well, I see you working hard. I mean, we, we've mentioned that, you know, we mentioned work. We do work together. And I, you know, for years now, I think it's 10 years that you've been working there. I've been watching you through social media and you're always training. You're always traveling. You know, you're committed to this, which is why I was excited to get you on the podcast. You had mentioned your daughter. How old is your daughter? My daughter is like three years, point nine. So she'll be four. She'll be four at the end of November. Okay. Well, oh, my daughter will be 19 at the end of November. She turns 19 on November 30th. Yep. That's my daughter's. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Our daughter's at the yeah I think we talked I, I, about yeah, yeah. that. So I bring that up because, you know, your, your situation, as you brought up, it's, it's a little difficult. And I can, I can imagine that there are other fighters with children that have to uh, deal and juggle with training and trying to figure out a time to fit in when to, when to be a father, which you're always a father, but you always have to find room. And that has to be a little bit challenging. How do you go about juggling that now that you are a father? Uh, It's a struggle. I mean, it's definitely a hustle in its own situation. I mean, a lot of guys in the single fatherhood of what I'm doing, 
have it differently. You know, some people have good relationships with their other half of the child's life. Some have terrible co-parenting issues. And I feel like my situation is a hustle and a struggle because the co-parenting situation for me is not very well. Okay. Um, there, there's a lot of tension, a lot of miscommunication and beliefs in raising a kid, let alone jealous tendencies and harbored feelings and whatnot that make our co-parenting a struggle. It just makes it hard, you know, because like the, when somebody's out to get you, and this is the sad part about parenting, co-parenting, depending on the situation between the two parents, you know, it, it there's make or break situations that like you have the, the, the two different extremes of one that's just chill and wants to grow and care nothing but, but about the child's life and making sure that they get the best thing. And then you have the other one that is just so hell bent on destroying you just for whatever petty reason. It, it's just definitely sad. And that's just a definitely a different situation <laughs> a subject to talk about but, than what but, we are now. But there's a lot going on when it when it yeah. in regards to co-parenting because if it's not balanced, it, it can become a very challenging uh, and it seems like uh, not pointless. I don't want to say pointless because it's always worth it when it comes to children. But it's also it's almost like I'm I'm going to do all of this just to just to see it probably not succeed as much as I wanted to because you're not pulling your end of the bargain. And uh, you know sometimes I can understand that because you know I do co-parent and I have my experiences and I know a lot of people, men and women, who co-parent and and that's you know you're not. I don't think you're saying anything uh, disparaging. I think you're just speaking facts and you're being honest about you know, you know what you go through. Just because you have a, a career in MMA fighting and you have this success uh, doesn't mean that you don't deal with the day-to-day bullshit that a lot of people deal with. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, it definitely brings a whole different meaning to hustling. But, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't change it for anything. My daughter has been the absolute best thing to ever happen to me in my life and i mean i know that's so cliche but it's crazy how it's no yeah the truest thing that can ever be told you know a, a child coming into somebody's life at first is like the scariest thing in the world right but then once it once all the scaredness settles and every, like you know the sun shines through the clouds of like shit my life's about to change and you're terrified of losing all the shit that you think is fun that you think is what you like and what you like to do and then you become a parent and it's just like wow mm-hmm. like I can't even believe I used to enjoy hanging out with anybody else, but being able to see my own child grow. It's definitely been the biggest blessing. And, you know, despite all the craziness I go through, I mean, absolute craziness to the fact that there are nights where like I cry myself to sleep, you know, because there's the tendencies of fear of like situations where like your child being with you is threatened or getting to see your kid or just stupid petty shit that happens that just anything that makes you feel any type of way that hurts your child hurts the parent. Sure. And it's a scary situation. So juggling that outside of everything else in the real world and especially a fight career that doesn't pay the bills. um, (laughs) Anybody that can pull it off is is a very special person to tell me about what you do um when you're juggling everything how i mean i i'm sure fight fighting helps you 
uh, and it's therapeutic in its own way. May I'm just guessing, but what what is it that Blaine Shut does uh, to get keep focused to keep his mind right? Because you know, uh, you know, working with you, I, I see the same type of charismatic, uh, often loudmouth guy at work. You like to you like to talk a lot of shit, uh, but you know, I, I can't believe that that you're just you're not a robot. You're a human being. And you said it yourself, you know, there's a lot that you go through that keeps you up at night. So what do you do to stay focused uh, to keep to keep your mind right? Uh, a lot of it is our point system at work. <laughs> no, obviously, you know, we get we get 10 points of being tardy. We get five points of calling off. And then we obviously get our PT time. And that that keeps you in line. On my phone is what <laughs> keeps me in line. Because I'll tell you what, my man, the lack of sleep that I get sometimes over it and like shooting up in the morning. You say shooting um, up. You mean what now? I'm sorry. I forget what I said. To that. You said shooting up in the morning. I'm assuming you meant getting up in the morning. or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like shooting up in the morning. Like you're late. You're like, well, might as well call off or I'm going to use a party today. Right, right, right. right. I just like, want to clarify. Like, train of thought is completely gone. It's all right. We were talking about uh, your your the point system and uh, the snooze button is what keeps you uh, it keeps you in line. Listen, like our job is pretty much like the glue of what allows me to do what I do. Yeah, I was um, just thinking about it, that. It, it's it's supporting my child. It's supporting my fight career. It's supporting the roof that's over my head, and I literally do it five hours a day, and sure. I train and be a dad the rest of the 19 hours out of the day. So I, I extremely, extremely, extremely appreciate the job that I have. Um, and it is a great job. If anybody ever asks me, it is when you're somewhere for 10 years, no matter what you're doing, there's <laughs> something and whatnot that just makes you say, yeah, I fucking hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who are you telling? <laughs> but I, in the end, the truest thing about work, is it brings security to a family. And on top of that, like shit, the people you work with, to an extent, you spend more time with than your family. Mm -hmm. So it comes to also bonds that you form with at work. And, you know, I mean, that helps a little bit too, which is why I talk so damn much at, at the job because, you know, I love, I love all you guys, you know what I mean? Like just shooting the shit with you randomly, just going into the break room real quick to grab a drink, seeing somebody's lunchbox open and I just peeking over the shoulder, see if there's anything good in there or something. And just pushing people's buttons, you know, it keeps you alive through the day. Cause you're right. We're not robots. We're people with personalities and that's what keeps us working. You know what I mean? Like if we were shallow people and everybody was quiet and nobody said a word on the dock, you know, like that place would be even more miserable than what it is. Oh yeah, sure. And you know, you, you got to try to enjoy your job, which is why I talk so much. Cause I mean, like I said, like doing something for 10 years, being so tedious, and there's nobody on that dock that gets yelled at more than me for trying to enjoy their job. <laughs> yep, yeah, I will say, Blaine, that you probably get called back, although I haven't heard you get called back lately, but you were holding the record for being called back uh, probably the most out of all of us. Um, the one thing I will say is that while watching uh, you do what you do, uh, where we work, they seem to be very flexible with your schedule because you're constantly coming and going having to compete um and so it, i'm sure it comes in very handy uh having a, an employer that uh is working with you 
um, schedule wise. And, and maybe that's because you're a part timer, but you're also I mean, they don't have to do that. And so the fact that you have you've built credibility where you work, where you have that, you know, that reliability of saying I can just let my job know from this time to this time I can't. I can't work and, and and you've had that now for 10 years i'm sure that's that's been very very helpful no well yeah for sure i mean and, and that's probably the most beneficial thing is the relationship that i've built the words i guess i would say that they love me there or at least they they believe in what i'm doing and i've opened up my outside life outside of work enough for them to see that which is i think why i get the privilege that i get and the the, the leniency i guess of getting away with a lot of it's either gotten to the point where they're just expecting a bit of me now mm-hmm. or they truly uh appreciate what they know that I'm doing with the time that they give me. Tell me tell me about I mean let's let's talk about this because uh, I'm sure you know that there are some people that are aware that you're doing the podcast and they're going to be interested in hearing this because you have this charismatic attitude on the dock that sometimes either makes people love you or hate you. And I know that you're very much aware of that. Is this something that you do? Uh, is it natural? Is it like, this is, this is what you do to keep the blood pumping because you've got other shit going on outside of work. You've got the fight that you've got to train for, and this is your way of psyching yourself up or, or are you, are you genuinely like just enjoying pissing people off what what is it about blaine shut i i've always wanted to know that um i definitely think i love pushing buttons that is for sure um and i and and what i do know is that when i do get angry that it could go real wrong real quick so i've kind of was able to transition it into just like making everything a joke so i i feel like So everything just kind of gets doubled now because instead of me getting seriously angry and just arguing with somebody back and having an issue, um, I think me being able to kind of like flip everything around into like a joke, we either make you smile or at least make you shake your fucking head and walk (laughs) away from me instead of standing toe to toe until somebody does something stupid. Right. Is that, uh, is, I mean, when, when it comes to having the career that you have outside of work, uh, is working at a place like, uh, where we work, does it, I mean, cause where we work, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stress and it's, it's temporary. I would hate to think that anybody goes home, uh, after working where we work and carries that stress with them. That's something that I like to just leave at work. It's temporary, but you're right. People get hot in the moment. It's a very busy, fast paced environment. Are you able to, how are you able to take what we deal with at work? How do you take something like that and then go and focus on training? Because there's times where I'm I'm not a fighter, uh, but I know that if I don't get my mind right uh, when I leave work, I, it could fuck up the rest of my day, just like anybody else. You have, I, don't, I mean, you have a little girl that you're taking care of, but on top of that, you've got to make sure that you are, you have to be disciplined as a fighter. And I'm not telling you, I'm I'm, I'm letting the people that are listening know, and you can follow through because you're the expert, but you would you have to be disciplined and you can't allow outside interferences. Where we work is nothing but outside interference. Mm. Um, With that, you know, I, I mean, I have a huge, huge, huge advantage over mostly anybody with getting the time off 
So I, and I mean, also I work five hours a day, you know, um, that, that in itself is, 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 is a huge benefit in not being harboring of the bent up pissed offness of what you guys go through. Because I'll tell you right now, if I had to go through all the bullshit that you full timers do, there's no way I'd probably still be working there. Mm. Um, I mean, who's to say, um, down the road when like things fall through or don't work out for me that I won't ever turn full time there, but that's absolute worst case scenario. And at that point in time in my life, that's the only thing I'm going to be doing is working. Fair enough. Well, that's, that's actually a good point. I didn't really, uh, I didn't think about that. You know, um, you have a shorter time there, uh, that, but that take that still takes discipline. I mean, I get what you're saying and you're absolutely right. I feel like you're handling it the right way for you. Uh, because you already know what the outcome can be. Like you said, we could, you could handle this completely different and, but that's a chain reaction and a domino effect that could result in a negative way for you down the road. And so I think the way you handle it, uh, uh, I, I commend you for it. It makes a lot more sense now, you know, and of course, you know, I think a lot of us get that, uh, at work, we get it, but you know, it's always nice to officially hear it because uh, inquiring minds want to know. Sometimes when you got somebody like yourself that's just constantly breaking balls, sometimes it's like, yo, what the fuck is this guy's problem? But you know what? It makes a lot more sense now. And let me tell you something. Uh, the fact that you handle it the way you do, uh, I respect that because uh, where we work, they just wouldn't tolerate. I mean, you can't go toe to toe. Literally, you can't do something like that. You wouldn't have a job anymore. So uh, I commend you for it. Take us back a little bit and talk to you. Are you from Johnstown or is that just where you started your, your career? Uh, that's just where like my fight career started. So I'm from Homestown, born and raised. I went to Lower off in high school. Um, I just went to college out in Johnstown at the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown for a year and then dropped out. Okay. And so you're from Humblestown, um, and you started your fighting career, what, 2012, 2013? Is that what you said? Yeah, roughly, roughly 2012 was when I made my amateur debut. Was it at that point that when you found out this is, this is my shit, were you already, uh, wanting to help others and train others and coach? Because when we start talking about, um, team shut, and and uh, I see team shut. I see coach shut. Um, you're you're wearing different hats now, so to speak. You're not just the fighter. You're not just the trainee. You're not just the the guy that's being guided. You are on the opposite side. Um, how much of that do you love doing? I'm, I mean, beyond anything, it's probably my favorite thing to do overall. Um, outside being a dad, it's the next closest step to being some type of parental, mm -hmm. um, care of someone. And, uh, you know, like I, like I said before, you know, I've been coaching since I was little and it's something I enjoy it. I'm probably a better coach than I am an actual athlete. I just understand men mental mentality of things. You know, I'm still grinding through things myself and figuring things out. But um, I'm a great technician when it comes to things like I understand that like the, the mindset or the, the positional awareness of putting everything together to be able to make a specific situation work out where it comes to moves and building things and obviously becoming a better athlete, whether it's in your whole wrestling aspect or in, in MMA. But the bigger aspect of what I like to bring into 
me being a wrestling coach is basically what wrestling actually does for you outside of what wrestling is outside of the actual sport itself you know wrestling is obviously probably in my personal opinion and a lot of others the absolute toughest sport and the the biggest sport um, outside of competition that actually transfers over into real life you know like there's no there's no there's no break button there's really no transition period for breaks it's head to head one on one the whole time with no space between them and MMA kickboxing all those other things there's technically space between you where you're thinking and you're, you're you take that time to stay away from the other person and wrestling your hands on the whole time but outside of just the physicalness of it i mean just really what it becomes in to making you a better person in real life i mean the man i am today is 100 accountable to wrestling that i've learned throughout my life from all the coaches that have taught me moves to life lessons that wrestling tied into it i mean wrestling wrestling makes people become better mm. Uh, yes, forgive me. I was taking a swig out of my uh, beer bottle there. Uh, I'm going to take another one. Pardon me. Oh, okay. Because my shit's so crazy that it's making you need to drink. Negative. I'm drinking I'm drinking almost every every episode unless I feel it's not necessary. So, no. Um, I'm, um, this isn't about me and my drinking. But anyway, um, uh, since we're talking about drinking, talk to me about that. When you're when you're training you're, and, you're, and you're being as disciplined as you can, uh, are, is, are you able to lock in and go, okay, I'm done with this, 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 and this? Or is it like, uh, do you find yourself going through some sort of like a, a withdrawal? Like, because, uh, you know, I can imagine fighters when they train and they got to stop eating and drinking. It's, it's not easy. Well, when it comes to the cutting weight aspect, yeah, it's, it's never hard. Um, I still didn't even have it down to a T this day. I still, I still experiment with a couple of different ways of cutting weight, like different, different aspects of how to eat, what to intake, outtake, how to lose it. Um, when it comes to the whole like alcohol part, yeah. um, I'm not really a big drinker anyways. I've okay. never, ever really ever been a big drinker. I mean, I will. Um, and I have obviously, you know, I've had some nights that I've woken up in places I didn't know where I was or, <laughs> uh, I, I one story i woke up on the sidewalk in my hometown with a cop kicking my feet asking if i knew where i was and i just randomly pointed at some random house waking up on the sidewalk saying i'm locked out and the cop just let me go back to sleep on the sidewalk um, <laughs> I, I i mean i feel like everybody's had nights like that but like they're they were so far few and in between fair enough yeah and it was just something that i never fell into i feel like um, i feel like but that that's pretty cool though i feel like i, I like that you know, it's it's a very clear cut black and white type of answer. Uh, and I've never really like I've never heard you talk about partying. I've never heard, you know, I've, I've always like respected that about you. I feel like, you know, when we when I bring up the the alter ego that is, you know, Blaine shut on the dock, I, I, I don't. I, I, I don't look at that and go, oh, he's probably I don't know how he's an MMA fighter in training because he's must be doing X, Y and Z. I on the contrary, every everything that you share, I, I do watch. I do pay attention. Your training. There's a lot of training that you do um, that you share. I'm a big guy. So obviously you're in shape. You must be doing something right now. When you say that alcohol never really was a part of your life, that has to help in a way, because 
removing alcohol and it not being a part of your life, you're able to focus mainly on just what you're consuming and what you're eating. And um, I'm assuming that you when you're training, you don't have a certain type of diet when you're training or you just everything is always the same no matter what what's going on in your life. Um, well, so obviously not having alcohol in your system is a huge bonus for your system to try to stay healthy or at least cut weight a lot easier. Um, alcohol and like the way I kind of perceive it when I think about it is kind of like sludge in your body. But outside of that tendency, I don't eat healthy whatsoever. I actually <laughs> barely eat probably anything. Um, yeah, I mean, you see me, you see me on the dog. I have bags of chips. Yeah. Yep. You know? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a carnivorous snacker. Um, I'll, I'll snack all day long and not eat any real meals. Um, a lot of it's because I'll just basically say I'm lazy and I don't want to take the time to cook something, but it also comes down to two most of the time. I don't have time to, to really cook anything. And I don't like to meal prep. And it's just, I, there's just other things I'd rather do with my time, even though I probably could, and things could be a little different, if not easier for me, if I tried, but what I have going on works for me. And I work too damn hard to not eat what I want to eat anyways. Okay. I, I was going to say that, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to just come out and put you on the, on blast because I do see you eating a lot of, uh, snack snacks from the vending machine. But I was, I was just wondering if there was any other type of regimen that you were on that, uh, that I was unaware of. No, I listen. I try. I, I try so hard sometimes, and my coaches are always like, "Just imagine if you ate healthier, you'd probably feel better." You're right. I would probably feel a hell of a lot better <laughs> instead of like being groggy and tired every day. And but you know, it's just fruits just don't do it for me. I mean, there's a time period, obviously, when I'm in like the end of a fight camp where like I know I can't have specific things like sodium intake or some shit like that. So you're right. I will eat a banana or something like that because now I'm getting calculated into what i'm putting in my body and i know i can get out quicker but that that i mean that again it's a rare moment it's in like the last two weeks of my weight cut or something like that where i do change up how i eat where it'll come into like i'll have my snack would be like a jello pudding cup or something like that or um a granola bar which i'll try to eat like a, an energy or a healthier granola bar in quotations but it 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 Again, it's few far and in between where I'll actually eat healthy as much as I want to. And I have I have strawberries and shit in there. I do love them and everything, especially when there's a hot girl to have chocolate with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it just, it just doesn't do the same for me if there's not a girl involved. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is the wrong podcast. If we're... <laughs> no, 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 you're good. I mean, like, I mean, I, I definitely get that stuff for my daughter for sure like I, i've done it a lot more frequently since becoming a dad but it always ends up that like i buy it solely because i try to push my daughter to eat healthy because i don't want her to fall into the habits that i do because you know like maybe some random person whose body isn't like the same uh, as mine could possibly end up getting diabetes or something the way i eat yeah yeah let's talk about real quick and, and you know and we're going on almost an hour so i don't want to take too much of your time. I know you said you don't want to be up late. Uh, and I do appreciate this, but you know, with everything we're talking about, we're talking about, um, you know, your career, we're talking about, um, being a father and, 
you also alluded to uh, the difficulty that you have, you know, with your co-parenting. When you take a look at everything that you're, you know, when I look at you and I listen to your story, especially over the years watching you, um, it's almost like I can see like this movie, uh, you know, do you feel like everything that you've experienced with becoming a father, with dealing with uh, the mother of your child, uh, with anything else that plays in, uh, do you feel like that fuels you or do you try to keep that separate from from participating in anything in your life and you focus on other things to motivate you? Uh, It's definitely a lot of give and take. You know, sometimes it's an anchor. Sometimes I don't know uh, if I'm going to be able to keep doing it anymore. Um, I suffer from depression. Sure. um, Okay. Which is like, I've I've opened up in a podcast before about my depression and how I live with it and how it uh, affects my outside life and everything like that, which I guess could also come into the concept of my actions on the dock of trying to turn everything into a laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, when things are down, I mean, it's straight up. It's just, I don't know how to like get myself out of a situation. So when I, when I say things are a hustle, it's, 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 it's legitimately a hustle. It's not a gag. It's, it's, you either figure this out or you're just not going to be able to do this anymore. And I mean, that situation with, with itself is, fuck like i mean it, it's a day-to-day thing it really is you know um bipolar right right okay, like sure i'm not saying i'm bipolar but i'm saying the situation <laughs> itself is you know okay. like sometimes i'll wake up and like you know i'm charged i'm ready to go i'm excited you know i'm ready to get into like a fight you know i'm motivated and then something happens and then all of a sudden something happens to the fact that just it snowball effects and it sends me tears tears down like i'm falling off the empire state building or I'm just getting buried alive and I feel like I'm suffocating and I don't, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get out of here, but you know, I always, and to this day, like I'm, I've always found a way to make it out alive and get done what I need to get done. Um, I, I mean, I can't tell you enough without sounding like a pussy. I cry a lot. No, no, I, I don't think it. that's being pussy at all, dog. I think that's <laughs> very admirable situations with like my whole life of things that I went through from being a young kid to situations that happened to me then going through some trouble stages, hanging out with the wrong people, doing the wrong things, being at the wrong place at the wrong time, all the way leading up to, you know, like, again, like wrestling was something that gave me purpose and like kept me out of trouble and saved me through a lot of things. And it was the same situation when I became a father, you know, like fighting was my wrestling continued and but it wasn't necessarily completely keeping my head above water you know with the outside distractions of again wrong place wrong time bad situations bad choices bad decisions but when i became a father you know that was when like you know like i've always been a a stand-up guy when it comes to things where it's like you put your feet down tie your shoes tight and whether you're tired, you go get it done. You know, like my grandfather means everything to me. Um, my grandfather is who I put on all of my wrestling stuff, all of my fight stuff. You'll always see an RIP Larry shut. And my grandfather was an old school grinder where now I may not take after him where it comes to whole his on time stuff like that. Cause <laughs> like, you know, I'm late and shit all the time. But where his overall principle of being a man and a stand up guy and believing what you believe in and, 
stiffen up her lip and fighting through everything until you get done what needs to be done. Uh, I mean, I owe completely credited to the man that he was, you know, um, and to why, like, I feel like I'm at a dead end sometimes, or I feel like I want to quit or that I just, there's just, there's no possible way of getting out of here. You know, obviously my grandfather, my daughter, obviously my belief in God and everything like that always gets me out of it or at least through what I need to get through until I'm at least able to start again. And I have the mentality where as long as I'm not stopped, like I, if I can keep moving, I'm, I'm always able and willing to restart. That's the fighter in you though. That's, I mean, that's like uh, what you just said there, as long as I can keep moving and nothing has stopped me. That's what, a, in my opinion, anyway, I feel like that's what, that's a fighter mentality. Is it not? Yeah. <laughs> I think you being open and honest about um, depression. Wow. I, I thank you for uh, bringing that up because I, de I deal with depression. I've dealt with depression for a very long time. I think, um, I think a lot more people deal with it than they would like to admit or or uh admit in front of other people uh but there's nothing wrong with it i think the weight of the world on your shoulders and we're you know it goes back to what we were just talking about everything that you're dealing with uh and working where we work and then having to f train for a fight and you've got this little girl who by the way you know all the videos that you share with your daughter they're great and and I don't ever look at those like those are, you know, gimmicky grabs that you try to throw out there. Like, look at me and my daughter. I genuinely see there's a different lane there. You genuinely love being a father. And so there's like this. There's a, it's cool. It's cool to watch you. It's cool that you you uh, you are you're bringing her into your world and you do little, you know, little boxing matches with her and you you're playing around with her. I can't imagine uh, what that's like. I have children, but I'm not a fighter. So, and plus she's getting big so fast. I mean, the last time I remember she was just this little toddler. And now she's, she's getting big, dude. Your, your daughter's getting big. She's and, and she's, and she's grasping absolutely everything. And the best part is, is that she absolutely loves it. Mm, that's gotta be a fucking thrill. Dude, it, it's so much fun. I mean, some of the best memories I have of being a child is memories with my dad of him roughhousing with me and introducing me to the sport of wrestling and stuff like that. And like fun little like pictured memories of being little and like doing certain situations with my daughter that my dad did with me. It's just it's uh, like it overwhelms me with emotions sometimes because like it's just it's just so much fun. Like there are things that I don't post that I have documented just for myself you know just for me to look back when i'm having Good. down days just because like um they're like obviously like whether if it's like a comedic situ situation of her saying something or like <laughs> just some like random type of like wrestling situation just out of the blue or something like that like that that would have been something that somebody put on probably would have looked gimmick right but like i kept it just simply for myself because it's it's a laugh for me Dude, I think uh, I think the path that you're on, however you want to describe it, you're you're going exactly where you need to go. I see big things for you. Uh, 
um, thank you so much for for joining me on this podcast. I want to let you go so you're not up late uh, so that, you know, tomorrow morning you can't you can't blame me for uh, for coming in late. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) brother, I appreciate you joining me this evening. Uh, God bless you. God bless your daughter. Uh, I wish you much luck. What what is real quick? What is your goal right now? I know you said things are kind of uh, at a stalemate. What is are you just going to grind it out and see what what uh, happens next or you got something planned? Uh, Yeah, right now it's we're trying to just get something. Um, you know, cause I, like what makes it tough is that I'm the champ at CES still. Um, so, and my contract with Bellator is basically a bench warmer. Um, cause I'm not guaranteed any fights. So I'm basically just waiting for something to maybe come up last second or, a, or a last second replacement. And then obviously with me still being the champion at CES, I'm locked under contract with them for any regional shows. So outside of UFC or Bellator, I can't fight anywhere else other mm. than CES for being their champion. And I mean, I'm not trying to say that they're dragging their feet, but they aren't getting me a fight, which is getting very frustrating. All right, brother. Hey, man, I appreciate you coming on the Journeyman Chronicles. Uh, go get some sleep, man. This is uh, this will be coming out on Friday, trick-or-treat night. You You taking your daughter trick-or-treating? Yeah, this is actually my first time taking her trick or treat, and I'm so freaking excited! Sweet. Like I can't wait. Sweet, it's well, my I... first time that on my weekend. I'm like, I still don't know what she's gonna be yet. I haven't. <laughs> she's picked out like five different things, and <laughs> we might end up doing like a collab of something of everything. Oh, so man. it's gonna be great. Well, enjoy it. I know uh, trick-or-treating with your kids is awesome. This is your first time with your daughter, so take pictures, enjoy it. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Go get some sleep. No, brother. I appreciate everything, man. I'll see you at work tomorrow, brother. All right, brother. Take it easy. Oh, trick-or-treat. Smell my feet. Give me something good to eat. I gave you a fucking episode for the Journeyman Chronicles. Shout-out to Blaine Shut. Shout-out to Team Shut. Shout out to the whole crew out there, all the people that Blaine's been training with. You know, uh, I really do appreciate it when people open up and they talk about things that are taboo, depression, talking about co-parenting, how that isn't always easy. So thank you, sir, for being vulnerable enough and being honest. Good luck on your endeavors. I hope uh, we can uh, see you getting back into action very shortly here. As for you guys, please... Tonight is trick-or-treat night for where, uh, wherever you guys are living, most of you anyway. Be safe. Take care of your kids. Put some reflective tape on them so uh, we can all see them. And if you're driving, slow the fuck down. Start acting like you know. Remember, maintain focus and stay continuous through all four seasons. My name is Felix C. Arroyo, a.k.a. Flex, a.k.a. The Journeyman. And I'll see y'all. And the next episode of the Journeyman Chronicles. Oh, 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 oh. He's gonna get ya. He's gonna get ya. Here he comes. He's gonna get ya. He stole a butter knife from my kitchen. He's gonna get ya. Oh, oh. Shout out to Massive Attack. <laughs>